Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardis, and I hope you truly had an exceptional Thanksgiving. All the football, all the food, and now we are back to business as usual, looking ahead to the Week 12 DFS slate. As always on this edition of the podcast, I am joined by none other than PFF Zone, Andrew Erickson, a.k.a. the Prop Prophet, and, you know, just all general, all around. Good guy. How's it going, Andrew? going good uh, i'm doing better than uh, ezekiel elliott it's funny you know we were watching that game my mom makes a comment she's like does zeke not play anymore <laughs> i'm just like look that's what everyone in america is thinking right now because it's the tony pollard show and we're getting some news reports about zeke's workload being limited now he's dealing with some knee injuries so yeah uh, it's the tony pollard season is live and well just as holiday season is starting to kick off I love the mom tidbits when you're watching the games. Uh, a couple weeks ago, mine was like, oh, that guy's fast. Who is she talking about? James Conner, of course. So sometimes uh, you get some wild cards there. But as always on this edition of the podcast, Andrew and I are going to go through first our recommended cash game build. Those are for head-to-heads, 50-50s. Games where we're just trying to get as high as floor as possible, not really worried about the ownership. We'll also look at some tournament plays. That's where we're trying to take down, you know, hundreds of thousands of different people. So we got to be a little bit contrarian, switch things up to try to take down that first prize so Andrew let's start things off with our cash build looking at quarterback I kind of think there's two main options here you can pay all the way up for Brady at 7600 on DraftKings but the problem is if we don't have AB if we don't have Evans now I'm just actually worried about what could this passing game look like when you take away two of the top three receivers I think it kind of comes down to Jalen Hurts at 7300 or if you really want to save some money, our guy Cam Newton at 5,600. Last week, we kind of got off Cam towards the end because we had the ridiculous report about him not necessarily playing every single snap. It looks like that is in the past now. So, Andrew, where do you find yourself leaning right now between Cam or going a little bit higher in the salary chain? Yeah, man, it sucks because Jalen Hurts, it's he's finally priced <laughs> appropriately, I would yeah. say, based on just how good he's been and how you know, bulletproof he's been, you know, a top 12 quarterback, basically every single time the guy plays four quarters of football. So, you know, he's priced up around seven plus seven K Brady's up there at 7.6 K. So I think that cam is still a really good value. You know, I don't think his price really moved that much. He was 5,100 last week, 5,600 this week. Again, an equally as great matchup against Miami dolphins. And I think it's really a matter of, okay, well, if you want to play McCaffrey, I think it just makes sense to play cam and McCaffrey together because you have, okay, like, how is Carolina going to score points? It's between those two specific players. So if McCaffrey finds, you know, the, the end zone a couple times, okay, then Cam doesn't, but Cam is cheap. So you don't necessarily need him to score the touchdowns. And then vice versa, if Cam vultures McCaffrey at the goal line, it doesn't matter because you played both of those guys anyway. So I, I like getting up to McCaffrey in particular at 9K. So Cam has kind of been the guy that I've at least built my cash lineups with. I've liked the receivers I can fit in. I like the running backs I can fit in because we don't really have – any free square guys, you know, maybe Jeff Wilson, depending on how things shake out with Elijah Mitchell. But uh, I think that Cam is kind of the guy that I'm gravitating towards at 5.6K. It's a good matchup against the Dolphins. Even then with uh, Wilson, I agree with you. If we get Mitchell ruled out again, we'll definitely have him locked in the lineup. But at 5.3, we're not saving a ton of money with that. We don't have our, you know, classic cheap, tight end dart that we're used to uh, going with every single week on this pod so really with cam at just 5.6k i think he still should not be anywhere under 6k like quarterback should probably be the position that we do try to save some salary at because we don't have those options at the other position so i am with you right now going with cam and we can stack him with mccaffrey confidently understand we usually you know that's kind of throwing off our best case scenario upside because teams when they get up a lot are running the ball when they're down they're throwing the ball so you don't usually see the you know ideal game script for both quarterbacks and running backs happening in the same week. As you all know, though, Christian McCaffrey and really Cam, not your normal football players. And we can truly just get access to almost each and every touchdown that will be scored in this offense just by locking in those two guys. So I'm with you, Andrew. I got Cam. I want to get up to McCaffrey. It has been a little challenging in some of these builds, though. I think he might just have to really start to uh, buy into what Urban Meyer has been saying about LaVisca Chenault, you know, really looking down at tight end to try to save some money. But otherwise, I do think even if he can't get all the way up to McCaffrey there are some other options we need to monitor injuries as always we'll have our Friday night podcast here on the PFF fantasy football um, podcast going over the ramifications of the key injuries but right now we got AJ Dillon sitting at 5.9k if Aaron Jones is out with that knee injury I definitely want to lock in Dillon 
We also have Damian Harris at 6.1K. If no Ramondre Stevenson, he's dealing with a knee issue. Not quite sure about the severity just yet. He would be a strong play at home um, in that spot. And we also got Daryl Henderson, who I think at 5.8K, he's just way too cheap. I thought we were past this, Andrew, with Henderson being just this sub 6K, three down workhorse back. But here we are once again. So I think right there in that range, again, depending on how these injuries shake out, uh, that'd be where I'm most interested in going in and cash. I do see, Andrew, you're down to go up a little bit higher and get our guy Saquon, who, let's face it, didn't have the best return from injury. But at the same time, man, these receptions are a cheat code. And as bad as he was on Monday night, he was still a top 20 running back just because of those six catches. It sure seems like moving forward, though, he'll be back to having even more of a consistently featured role. Yeah, I mean, the matchup wasn't great against Tampa Bay. We know that they have a great run defense, even without Vita Vea and the Giants offense is just, it's, it was inept, you know, with Jason Garrett. So there is a, a possibility you can buy into, okay, Jason Garrett's out of the win, out of the picture. Like, could we see a little bit of life, you know, injected into this offense? I think just featuring Barkley more makes a lot of sense. The matchup is significantly better against the Philadelphia Eagles. Only the Bengals have allowed more receptions to running backs this year than the Philadelphia Eagles. So because they're so strong in the perimeter, they give up points to slot receivers tight ends and running backs like that's where all of the targets are concentrated when teams face the philadelphia eagles so again barkley played 75 percent of the snaps and got 12 touches in, in the first three quarters basically before garbage time they and they kind of featured Devonte booker a little bit more and like you mentioned like he was still a top 20 running back despite basically playing terribly in a terrible situation so i think it's you know rb20 is like his floor so i'm willing to pay for that up in a cash game and, and barkley also has the talent like you know like he's a player that you know can be, bust off a big run and make big plays so i like you know we obviously talk about floor and security in cash games, but you know, don't necessarily shy away from guys that also have upside. Like that's also important as well because if some things don't go well in your lineup, you want a guy like oh, okay, Barkley, you know, end up did having a bigger game than we all expected. He kind of bailed me out with one or one or two big plays. So Barkley, I think that I, I try to finagle away to try to get up to him at sixty three hundred. Yeah, that is just too cheap. I mean, I didn't have him down as a guy I really wanted to get after, but yeah, I'll spend an extra 200 to get <laughs> off of Damian Harris to go with the freaking Saquon. I mean, you look at his price this season. Before that Cowboy game where he suffered the freak injury, he was starting to look back to his normal self. He had the role and everything. I mean, he was 7300 and he was chalk across the industry because we all thought that was like $1,000 too cheap relative to what the best version of Saquon will be. So now we're talking 1000 under the price that a month ago we thought was too cheap yeah i think that makes a lot of sense so ideally like andrew have you been able to get mccaffrey in super well so far i guess that's my only like question here because i do wonder if we need to go all the way up to him it works with cam but we got eckler we got saquon you know we got henderson dylan and these other guys if we have some of these injuries fall our way so that we can use dylan maybe we can use jeff wilson are you cool getting you know off of mccaffrey or are you still just trying to pay up for that and we'll take lesser guys at wide receiver I think I just I just want to still pay up for McCaffrey. I just think that his role in the offense is so enticing. You know, again, he's gone over 100 yards from scrimmage in every single game he's played since he's come back. He had a 90, 90% snap share, which has been his highest all season. Like, not even like before the injury. Like, 90% was his highest all season. So, he started, he's, far, he's coming into form back into that amazing role. I mean, 38% target rate on his, over the last three weeks is the second highest in the NFL. So... Dude, when he's on the field, he just gets receptions. Like he yeah. just gets peppered, and it just—it's such a cheat code in the DraftKings uh, scoring format. Like he just scores so many points, he doesn't even have to score a touchdown. Like it's so hard for him to fail, which is why I'm willing to pay up for the security because I know that like if any guy is going to score 20 points, like no matter what, it's going to be McCaffrey. And, and now the other guys I know we mentioned, like Henderson and Barkley, there are there are ways where they they fail. Yeah, like you can <laughs> see them scoring under 10 fantasy points like pretty easily. Where McCaffrey's like. The guy's going to score 10 points points in, like, the first quarter. Like, he's just so involved in the offense. So um, I think that he's worth paying up for. And, look, again, you don't need to be perfect in cash games. Like, especially when we talk about tight ends and stuff, like, it's going to get gross. Like, you're just going to have to kind of punt off one of the positions. But you're doing it so you can get McCaffrey, who we've seen at times, you know, score basically the equivalent of two players in one. So I still like paying up for McCaffrey. 
So main cash points so far, everyone, we are looking to build around Cam Newton just too cheap at his salary point. And we have the chance to stack him with our hopeful RB1 Christian McCaffrey. If you can't get to him, you know, it's not the end of the world, but I do agree with Andrew. That floor is just so hard to get away from. I did have one build earlier where I ended up with Eckler instead of McCaffrey. I didn't hate that. But generally off of the top, you can look at other guys like Daryl Henderson, 5.8K, Damon Harris, 6.1, if no Stevenson, AJ Dillon. 5.9k if Aaron Jones is out and yes also Jeff Wilson at 5.3k if Elijah Mitchell is once again out so a lot of different builds uh this week Andrew it's a funky week because we already had the three Thursday games go along but I think just even relative to some of our past conversations here where we ended up kind of coming uh, coming away with like a 2v2 to complete the entire lineup I do think there are a lot more kind of warranted uh cash game builds people can go with this week but let's move on to wide receiver I think we're pretty close to on the same page here because there really is a a nice group to go after in that lower mid 5k range i think some top guys are brandon Ayuk, fully out of the doghouse sitting there at just 5.3k in a more than winnable matchup against the minnesota vikings i mean i think we kind of saw last week aaron Rodgers and company showed that yeah this defense can play good for stretches but you really start to face you know a well-schemed offense like what we saw on the floor and like what we'll see with kyle shanahan i think that's where you can start to see some you know cracks in that sheet also got Jerry Judy sitting at just 5.5k they're paying Tim Patrick they're paying Cortland Sutton Teddy does not care he is just going to throw the ball to Judy to his heart's desire and we also got Michael Pittman at 5.6k I love this call Andrew because I look like a freaking idiot last week saying that oh Jonathan Taylor that's everyone's you know the low-owned contrarian play that every single person is claiming as a low-owned contrarian play. So I was like, okay, everyone wants to do that. Maybe I'll zag and just say like, oh, let's go with Michael Pittman and a potential high-scoring matchup that could force the Colts to not run the ball 40 times. Clearly, that did not even come close to happening. But Andrew, as you know, some people will say from time to time, I think the process was okay enough because you look ahead to this week again. Once again, the Bills number one in the league in the EPA allowed per run play last week. If they aren't that anymore, Tampa Bay is probably number one. I think you could argue they have a better run D. Regardless, obviously Tom Brady and company can put up plenty of points and maybe, just maybe, we get a game where Michael Pittman gets the high-end volume. Because that's been the only problem with Pittman over the last four or five weeks. It's like when Carson Wentz throws him the ball, he's usually either catching it or drawing a long pass interference penalty. The problem has simply been that volume. So Pittman, Judy, and Ayuk, Andrew, it's nice that we don't necessarily have to spend more than 5.6k at receiver if we don't want to i think there are some higher options that we can get up to i mean i know you have written down deontay johnson which like yeah the floor is the freaking ceiling for this dude every <laughs> single week i know it's scary with big ben but being able to go to deontay might make sense in this one yeah i mean he's 6.6k he's i mean the guy has 13 targets in four of his last five games and he's like not 7k like if you look at his expected fantasy points like it's up there with Devontae adams like it's it's the yeah. same thing except the the salary discrepancies are it's, it's crazy you know adams is up at 8.6k and you know yeah johnson is literally two thousand dollars cheaper so you know we're trying to find these guys i mean that's really like about the smart part in cash games is really just identifying players that are mispriced because you don't need to worry about you know who is rostered highly or low it doesn't matter like you're looking for just the best value plays in cash games and that's what it is Deontay Johnson just he's just mispriced you know it's kind of like I'm carrying over you know what I do when I'm looking at player props I'm just looking for bad lines like that's how I attack the props and this is how you should attack cash games like all right why is Deontay Johnson like so cheap like do they hate him like what DraftKings like what did he do like please tell us come on so he, he's way too cheap at 6.6k I found a way to kind of make it work with Deontay Pittman and Ayuk and specifically as, as my three receivers going with cam at quarterback and i felt pretty good about that i i like as we'll talk about in the gpp segment i, I like this steelers Bengals game kind of i don't know why like it has a lot of things i could maybe see a potential sneaky shootout so you I mean deontay is the main guy there and, and big ben you know he looked decent last week you know against a good, pretty good chargers pass defense so i i don't think that i think deontay johnson's in a really good spot and like you said like you're paying up for the floor with him and i think it's it's well warranted People have started to whisper, did Deontay sleep with the draft queen? Just one of those things that we'll need to uh, monitor moving forward. 
I hear you. I guess my last question here is wide receiver because, again, we got the good 5K guys. Also, if you really want to get gross and save some money, LaVisca Chenault at 4.4K. You know, I kind of mocked this, like, throughout the year um, where it's like, oh, okay, Agnew's hurt, ETN's out. Like, now we just need three other guys to get hurt before LaVisca can actually have that real role. But at this point, like, come on. You need to get him 8 to 10 targets because you're going to throw the ball at least 25 times. And who else can you get the ball to at this point? So at just four point. 4k in a week where we have very few salary saving options i do think chenault is in play but i would rather not get down to him myself so andrew last point here we got deontay at 6.6k you know both would be cool but what about chris goblin at just 7k because if ab is out if evans is out all of a sudden we're looking at brady really force feeding one of these guys and which is a rarity in this offense that regularly spreads the ball out would you if if you could, would you like to get up from Deontay to Goblin, or is that you know enough with four hundred dollars savings to say I'll just take the guy even more likely to hit thirteen targets once again? No, I think that if Chris Godwin is the only guy in town, like if there is no Mike Evans, I definitely think that you could probably have to go up to get to Chris Godwin. I mean, we've seen him in this spot before where he is like the the true alpha. I think it also opens the door for potentially just like slotting in like a Tyler Johnson as, as someone that's really, really cheap that you can kind of go to. I know yeah. that he's kind of been eh in terms of his production, even when he's like running up a decent amount of routes on the offense. So, but yeah, I mean, Goblin's going to become mega chalk if there's no Mike Evans and, you know, kind of rightfully so. So I definitely would try to find the finagle the way, as we'll talk about like tight end, you're just going to like want to keep paying down at it. It's not worth it to be like, Oh, well I can get like this tight end a little bit. You know, they're all bad. So like, don't do not like, okay. I'm like, stamping my ground by planting my flag on this tight end like don't do that this week like just move off of it because it's not worth because chances are they're all going to score just bad points in general Let's talk about tight ends now. We're we're, we're on to it. It is brutal. I've, you know, almost every single week, I feel like we've done a pretty good job finding this sub 3K option, you know, giving appropriate levels of concern. With Bates, with Disley, the times they busted, you know, we were a little bit more aware of that. Everett, Ricky Seals-Jones, Dan Arnold over the weeks. I think they were some good calls. The problem is, Andrew, I'm looking and I don't see a single guy under even like 4K that I really feel good about. I know we can go Uzoma or Evan Ingram. Um, Jared Cook, I guess, is underpriced at 3000 if you want to you know, make that argument. But I feel like more than ever this week, I want to spend up. Not a ton, but when we have Pat Fryermuth with Eric Ebron out at 4.3K, and even Gronk at 4.4K, now back to his full-time role, and like Goblin, probably um, benefiting from having his teammates out, getting more condensed targets. I just want to get up to that spot, man. I don't want to mess around with these sub-4K guys, and I think there's enough, you know, again, just building these so far i think there's enough you know mid-price wide receivers and kind of running backs in that high 5k low 6k range to warrant not needing to get gross but andrew i know you love these cheap tight ends more than just about anyone <laughs> what are you thinking this week yeah i mean i think that my again you're, it's like the the best of the worst is, is pretty much the way i would describe it so for me my weapon of choice would, would be evan ingram so he ran around on 93% of Daniel Jones dropbacks week 11. I'm like, he's got elite route participation. Like he's running around on 90% of the dropbacks. It's just, he's not getting targets. Like that's like, that's the big issue with him. Like he's on the field a lot. He's not getting targets. We do know that Kyle Rudolph is on the injury report. So if he doesn't play, okay, like that's just kind of another reason to get to back Evan Ingram. The Eagles are the best matchup, as I mentioned, against the middle of the field. Like they're the worst team against tight end. So, okay, like the matchup is there. And, you know, the guy that's been putting Evan Ingram in the Jason Witten role is not He's, he's gone. Like, he, he's out of the picture. Jason Garrett is gone. So there are reasons to back Evan Ingram as a potential play at 3800 Now, again, like, even the price is not is not great. Like, again, if I can finagle a way to get it to, to Fryermuth just a little bit more, yes, I'm doing that 100%. Like, I'm not, like, feeling great about Evan Ingram. I'm trying to find ways <laughs> to get out from playing Evan Ingram. But at 3800 I think that he's probably my favorite of those players. And then if I'm looking, I mean, Izoma, again, kind of a similar situation where he runs a lot of routes, but he just doesn't get targeted because it's not, there are other offensive pieces there. So he plays a lot and you're just kind of hoping he scores a touchdown. So he's a little bit cheaper at 34. And then, I mean, Jack Doyle, like it's a good no, matchup for him. No, no. It's, it's, <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's so bad. I just like, don't want to be like, yeah, Jack Doyle, like matchup's good. It's because he's in the tight end committee. And that's the same thing with like Jared Cook. Like, there are two other tight ends he's splitting time with Steven Anderson, Donald Parham. So 
it could be Jared Cook or it could be Donald Parham or it could be Stephen. A- like it's just it's way too muddled um, at the tight end position. So again, if you just don't feel great about any of these guys, then just like just play Jared Cook because he's the cheapest. Like that that's what I would do. Just like don't don't like spend up a little bit more to like jam in a tight end because I think that you'll just regret. Be like why did I pay up for for Evan Ingram? Like why why did I do it? I should just play Zoma. He got zero points too. It's just like the same thing. So I think you'd want to really focus your salary on the other positions first and then kind of figure out whatever tight end you can kind of fit in there. If it works in like a stack, you know, as like a skinny stack with another one of your cash players, I think that makes sense. Like, again, like if you play Uzoma, you play Deontay Johnson, okay, there's some correlation there. Um, but yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm cool with punting tight end and not really not getting many points from it. If at all possible, people, please try to get to 4.3K. I, I think you're right, Andrew. I think Ingram and Uzoma, if you want to go under, are going to be your best bets. But it's just I feel so much better about these lineups <laughs> if you can get up a little more. And I think depending on Deontay or Goblin, okay, take the guy. No, don't put two receivers from the same team in here when we don't have that quarterback. So if you want to go with Goblin, go ahead and scoop up Gronk. If Or no, excuse me. If you want to go Goblin, go ahead and scoop up Frymouth. If you want to go Deontay, go ahead and scoop up Gronk to avoid putting two much faith uh, on one big Ben Roethlisberger's arm. I thought you might go incredibly gross, Andrew, because I do think there is one guy under 3K that we could theoretically, you know, convince someone to play. That is Pharaoh Brown, new Houston Texans, tight end one, your guy, Jordan Akins, unfortunately. I don't know why, but he was a healthy scratch in week 11. We hadn't seen Brown play in about a month, but he comes back, plays a season high, 84% of the snaps, had four targets in that game. Now, it's probably worth noting that Brown hasn't surpassed uh, 22 yards since week one. He hasn't scored a touchdown (laughs) all season long, but I am just reporting the news here, and he did have a big workload change last week. Again, this is not a recommended play. Please, for the love of God, do not like play Farrell Brown with any level of confidence. But if you wanted to go down as cheap as possible, he is a full-time three-down tight end that does have a chance to get four or five targets. Maybe he happens to fall into the end zone. And one of the few matchups where we could actually see the Texans have more success in their opposition. So defense. We're just going Jacksonville, right? 2.2K at home versus the Falcons, who have scored three points in their last two games. Like, that just makes too much sense. And we talked about uh, Jacksonville, Andrew. They have a good pass rush. Yeah, I think Jacksonville makes a lot of sense. I actually had the Texans' defense at 23. That's fine, I also too. liked yeah. a lot. But, yeah, again, it's it's they're splitting hairs. They're both, you know, bad real-life defenses. But they're facing bad real-life bad offenses. And, like, that's the biggest thing. And the Texans and Jaguars do have, like, a semblance of – pass rush like that's the thing that's going to cause issues for the offenses that they're playing so yeah whichever one i mean if the the jaguars fit better then play them if texas fit better play them and then in tournaments just play whichever one has less roster ship is really the move generally with defense yeah i want to hopefully prioritize someone who's at home don't be playing a juggernaut fellow offense and ideally you're just okay at getting after the passer and they check all those boxes so I like that point. Quickly to sum up what we just talked about in cash games, looking to lock in Cam at 5.6K quarterback. Good salary savings there. Ideally, we can get up to Christian McCaffrey at 9K. If not, there are a lot of mid-price options. Jeff Wilson, potentially, if Elijah Mitchell is going to be out. A.J. Dillon, if Aaron Jones is out. Damon Harris, if no Ramondre Stevenson. Either way, Daryl Henderson sitting there way too cheap at just 5.8K. And as Andrew smartly brought up, if you can get up to Saquon Barkley, he also seems like he is just egregiously underpriced relative to what we should be expecting here in a week or two. Wide receiver, that mid-5K range is beautiful with Brandon Ayuk, Michael Pittman, and we can also even get Jerry Judy at 5.5K. If you can get up, Deontay Johnson and Chris Goblin, if those Buccaneers receivers do seem to be your guys, if you really want to go down, the Visca Chenault at 4.4K is probably about the cheapest you can feel good about there. Tight end is absolutely disgusting, so for the love of God, just try to get up to Pat Fryermuth or Rod Gronkowski at 4.3 and 4.4k and then finally you can save money on defense go all the way down the bottom take jacksonville houston your pick i won't blame you either way moving on to some tournaments now we are trying to get contrarian trying to take down some large fields go win that million dollars angela start off with quarterback i see you like two b's tom brady joe burrow who are you leaning towards overall because i do like the burrow call i mean only eight, 18 pass attempts in that first game against pittsburgh three touchdowns made it look pretty easy i know Minka fitzpatrick is back but at the same time when burrow and this passing game are clicking man i don't know that anybody can really slow him down yeah, I just want to hit on uh, the Brady thing. Just, guys, Brady's the number one uh, fantasy quarterback, fantasy points per game. 
And if there's no Mike Evans, like, you know, it's going to Gronk, it's going to Godwin. Like, it's every single week, it's just pitch and catch with <laughs> with Tom Brady and his pass catchers. So just continue to keep playing them. It doesn't matter, like, what the roster is because it works. It just works. In the, and they probably are not played enough, so I won't sell everyone. It's, it's pretty easy to play Tom Brady, but not, a pe- not enough people do it. So on the Joe Burrow side of things, again, I mentioned earlier that I like this game environment. And it's interesting. If you look at PFF, so PFF has the expected fantasy points tool that's on the website under the stats in the, in the fantasy tools. And basically, if you look at a lot of the Bengals players and Steelers players, they're all have been like performing under expectation over the last couple of weeks. So it's really more of a telltale sign that, okay, like eventually these guys are going to regress positively to kind of meet expectation based on their usage, based on the targets that they're seeing. And because both teams are kind of in that same echelon, it kind of it speaks to me. Okay, like this is going to be the game where things kind of reset to the norm and we see them bounce back up. So, you know, Jamar Chase, Deontay Johnson, like all of the receivers, the quarterbacks. So Joe Burrow in specific. So Joe Burrow actually has the fewest fantasy points underscore or he's the most points scored under expectation over the last four weeks. He actually is supposed to have significantly more passing touchdowns than he has over the last four weeks. And you'll get a lot of it's because him and Jamar Chase have just not been connecting on a lot of their big targets. Again, he should have eight passing touchdowns. He only has four since week eight. So there's a lot of positive regression that should be working in Joe Burrow's favor. I like the coverage matchup against the cover three. Burrow's PFF's fourth highest graded quarterback from cover three this season. And the Steelers defense is last in terms of pass rating allowed on targets thrown 20 plus air yards. Like this is like the Jamar Chase, like boom game. Like he's gone over, over seven his last uh, on the rest of his deep targets. He's seen after starting the season on fire. And it was like, yeah, okay. He's going to regress. We all saw it happening, but it's happened. Like he regressed and now it's evened out. And now it's going to bounce back up again because we know Jamar Chase is a top tier wide receiver in this league. So I I love Joe Burrow. You know exactly who to stack him with. You have two receivers, go Jamar Chase, go T Higgins, go Jamar Chase, go Tyler Boyd. Um, I think it's really pitch and catch with him in this matchup. And look, the Steelers defense got exposed. I know they're going to probably get TJ Watt back potentially, but their secondary is not good. Like their secondary gives up so many big plays because if their pass rush doesn't get there, then they get burned on the back end. And And we saw this last year too with them. So Joe Burrow, I think is in a really good spot this week. Very easy to bring back too. Najee, Deontay, Fryermuth, maybe even Chase Claypool. Uh, we're talking tournaments. I mean, I know Claypool came out and said that he's dealing with a quote unquote bad turf toe, and that's not great. I wish he was healthy. At the same time, he has his every down workload in this matchup. Last time he had 15 targets, almost got 100 yards against Eli Apple, who we do see consistently shadowing, usually a team's number two, while Chidobi Awuzie takes the number one. And Eli Apple, like he is right up there as one of those shadow corners where if he's guarding your guy like that is an upgrade you should be feeling good about that so like that call with burrow only other guy i'll throw in here as a potential gpp qb i think tua at 5.5k is interesting if you can really get down there another game against the panthers where you know i wouldn't expect it to shoot out but at the same time i do think these teams could start to maybe both flirt with the 30 point mark and it's just really easy right now as long as fuller and Devonte stay out to peg peg down who Tua is going to be feeding the ball to that is jalen waddle and mike Jasicki. none of these guys are costing you even 6k to roster so i think it just kind of pre- presents a little bit more unique lineup construction where you can get a quarterback with his top two pass game options and not break the bank to freaking have to do it. You know, that's the problem a lot of times. We want to go Cousins, Jefferson, and Thielen. Like, now we have to go cheap everywhere else because we already uh, spent so much money. With the Dolphins, we don't really have to go down that wormhole. Similar to the Bengals stack, I also think there's a lot of easy ways to bring this back. DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, maybe even... Nah, I'm not. I'm, I'm playing, not Robbie Anderson, but we do have DJ and CMC to run that back with. So I do like the chances of Tua and company. I mean, he has a ceiling. He finished as the week's overall QB1. Um, let's see, all the way back in week seven. So since then, hasn't been amazing, but QB13 last week. Worst case, Tua, I think he gives you an upside QB2 week, doesn't necessarily tank your lineup. And best case, which is what we're going for, he does have that top overall QB1 potential. So let's move on to running back. Andrew. We talked about cash and some of the uh, potential guys there in the mid 5K range. I do wonder if, you know, again, since the easiest lineup is going to be putting in most of those cheaper 5.3 to 6.3K running backs, get even more gross. And you got two candidates, Ty Johnson, David Johnson. 
Have they been rather disappointing all year? Yes, particularly David. But hey, when the backfields change, Andrew, we got to adjust with them. And it does look like there is more opportunity in these disgusting New York Jets and Houston Texans backfields. Yeah, I mean, they're really, really cheap running backs. And sometimes going cheap running back really opens things up for you because a lot of people want to pay up at the running back position. I think that just paying down at one of these running back slots, I, I would not recommend playing both Ty Johnson and David Johnson. I think that's just a little... A little too gross. I doubt that we see both of them have like any type of really hit outcome. I, I do think that maybe one of them does get there. So Ty Johnson, again, there is going to be no Michael Carter. So I would expect that Ty Johnson at least takes over the majority of pass catching work in the Jets backfield, which is really all that matters. Like, I, I don't care if Tevin Coleman gets 10, 15 carries. Like, carries don't give you fantasy points. Like, we've seen Jeff Wilson had, a play, Jeff Wilson had 19 carries last week. Five fantasy points. Like, he sucked. Like, he did not do anything because Jimmy Garoppolo missed him wide open in the end zone. So Brutal. We, we, we've seen it before where guys can get, like, 20 carries and still do nothing and be zeros in fantasy because of the way that the points are skewed towards PPR. So I don't think Tevin Coleman is really someone that you need to be super concerned about. I think Ty Johnson's the best. He's the more explosive running back. He's the better pass catcher. He's top 10 in fantasy points per touch this year because he's been involved in the passing game. So I think Ty Johnson makes a ton of sense. And people just don't want to play him, but the matchup is good, the Texans. And then on the same side, David Johnson, season high, 16 touches last week, 4,500. He's playing the Jets. The Jets have been, like, so bad against running backs. It's like it's like the Jets are, like, this bad against – and then everybody else. Like, it's like another tier that they're bad against running backs. Miles Gaskin got there against the freaking Jets because they're just so – bad against running backs and david johnson yeah he's not the same guy he used to be but you know the pathway is getting more and more clear philip Lindsay is on the dolphins now he's gone like it's going to be david johnson and rex burkhead and kind of the similar sentiment where you have david johnson seeing the majority of pass game work so if this game is close between two bad teams then you're going to see david johnson more on the field operating more on third downs whereas rex burkhead got a lot of work last week because they're closing out the game with the majority of carries so David Johnson, Ty Johnson, both gross. But look, you got to zoom out sometimes. Just look at the match and be like, all right, it's a good matchup. Running backs, seeing double-digit touches involved in the passing game. Those are the things you want to check check off. And I think they both make sense under 4.5K. I do lean Ty over David. I have a sick feeling in the pit of my stomach that we're going to see Royce Freeman lead this Houston Texans backfield. And it not be pretty, but this we've seen this happen. Like Even in certain weeks where it seems like, okay, David, Burkhead, whoever finally are starting to take control of this backfield, they just screw with us. So at least with the Jets, like they've been pretty consistent throughout the year. We haven't loved how long it's taken them to you know get someone like Michael Carter to the ball. But when guys have been hurt, they don't really, Michael Piran might play a few extra snaps, but I'm more worried about Houston just completely turning over this backfield as opposed to the Jets. Uh, you also have Najee Harris down, which I think is a great call. Just 5.4% projected ownership, which you can always view over at pff.com. And just based on expected fantasy points, you have 2019 Christian McCaffrey, you have 2020 Christian McCaffrey, and then you have 2021 Najee Harris as the top three running backs over the past three years. Obviously, Najee isn't as good as CMC. He hasn't been as successful, but only takes one week and we have all the opportunity we could possibly ask for. A couple other guys, you know, I do like to try to pivot off some of the chalkier running backs at the same price point. With that in mind, again, we got Jeff Wilson sitting at 5.3K. I think there's two solid pivots right around him. Javante Williams at 5.2K could be in line. Don't look now coming off the bye to potentially seize this job or not. Maybe they continue to split it with Melvin Gordon and company, but either way, we're now facing the Chargers, eighth worst defense in the league. PPR points per game allowed to opposing running backs. They are typically more than happy to just sit back, let teams run. And hey, against Denver, if we can get both those guys 15 carries, Javante might not even need a true takeover to have a productive week out there. And also Miles Sanders at 5.1K. I've been off in almost every conversation we've had uh, this year, Andrew, but we did lose Jordan Howard from this equation. Kenny Gamewell, you know, will probably be activated, but clearly they don't feel super comfortable in recent weeks feeding him. And Sanders did have a shit ton of carries last week. So we saw after the fumble, it was more split up than before, but that also could have just been a little bit more of a game script type thing, their plan in the first place. It wasn't like Sanders got benched after the fumble. They were just kind of getting Howard and Scott more involved and they hadn't played uh, previously to that point so not super concerned about that it was the first time all year he put the ball on the ground Jalen Hurts can't score every touchdown forever and Sanders is at 98 touches without a score this year which is by far the most so at some point Miles should be 
do to find the end zone. And I do think it could be this week. And then finally, Leonard Fournette at 6.8K. Just, you know, nothing too crazy good about the matchup or anything like that. But at the end of the day, he is the featured RB1 and one of the league's, you know, top three scoring offenses by just about any metric you want to look at. And as we saw last few weeks, I mean, he is catching passes with the best of them. Leonard Fournette is one of only four or five running backs, I think, with more than 50 targets already this year. Like, he is getting absolutely fed, and that makes him matchup proof. So, God forbid the, the Buccaneers decide to feature him even more with some of their wide receiver injuries. I think he is always in play, particularly in weeks like this, where maybe he's going just a little bit more under the radar than usual. So, Javante, Miles Sanders, Lenny Fournette, and as Andrew brought up, Ty Johnson and David Johnson, and go get cheap, go get contrarian in these tournaments. Andrew, I didn't see a ton of like just hidden gem wide receivers that I was really happy to talk up, but we did land on one guy that's the same, and that is Elijah Moore sitting there at just 5.6K. It looks like Corey Davis could even be out this week. He suffered a midweek, I think it was a knee injury, so we'll see how that plays out uh, the rest of the way, but Elijah's already been crushing it. Wide receiver three last week, two weeks before that. He was the overall wide receiver one. I know we got Zach Wilson back under center, which I think is why not too many people seem to be on Elijah Moore just yet. But we finally got the snaps. Like, I'm ready. He's a great player. He has the opportunity. What are, what are we missing here? Nothing. Not, yeah. you're, literally, you're, literally, you're literally missing nothing. And I really think that what's driving his rostership down Again, like you alluded to the quarterback thing, but guys, like, okay, he's done it with Mike White. He's done it with Josh Johnson. He's done it with Joe Flacco. Like, why? Like, I, I don't see, like, okay, like, is Zach Wilson better than, like, it's it's all, like, whatever. They're all kind of the same. Like, I'm not going to pronounce here and be like, yeah, no, Flacco and these other guys are so much better than Zach Wilson. Like, no, they're probably all just around, about the same right now. Yeah. So, right now, Elijah Moore has asserted himself as the alpha. We finally saw his routes increase last week. Jameson Crowder, he ran more routes than Jameson Crowder for the first time since like week one. So everything's going in the right direction for Elijah Moore. His his receiving prop is still way too low as I'll get into later in the show. Spoiler. I just, I don't understand it. And because he has the same price as Michael Pittman. So Michael Pittman is coming in at 20% and that's why people are going to opt for one 5.6K wide receiver and they'd rather take one that's playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a more high scoring environment versus Elijah Moore. Oh, he plays for the Jets. Oh, but he's also playing, uh, who is he playing? Oh, the Houston Texans. Oh, yeah. They're like the worst team against wide receivers <laughs> over the last four weeks. So, yeah, sorry. I'm going to take this rookie who, you know, we looked, we liked a lot, like Justin Jefferson, that started finally break out all over the place, and yet people still don't want to play him. Um, that's going to be a guy that I definitely want to play. Some other guys from quarterbacks we've already talked about. We like Burrow and GPPs. Obviously, we like his number one, Jamar Chase. Also got those Bucks wide receivers with the potential for condensed targets without AB, without Mike Evans. Don't be afraid to go get Tyler Johnson at just 3.8K. And I also think uh, these Rams receivers are going to be as cheap as they are really this week. Um, you know, If they are going to be this cheap, I should say, might not be a bad idea to throw some darts because I don't think it's going to stick. If either Van Jefferson on 49 K or Odo Beckham at 5K managed to hit on a big play or two. Like Matthew Stafford has not hit a pass thrown over 20 yards in his last seven attempts. That was the big problem for this team before the bye. They lost the deep ball and that kind of was their fastball to start the year. So coming off the bye, you know, you would like to think that McVay, Stafford, a little bit more on the same page, better chemistry with Beckham, who only played 15 snaps in his first game. So we're now expecting a more full-time role in this post-Woods version of an offense that seems content to really rally behind Jefferson and OBJ with Cooper Cup not able to catch every single pass that leaves Stafford's hands obviously so last point here Andrew is Kadarius Tony potential we had the targets last week maybe Shepard's back uh you know in this one but at the same time losing Garrett like okay if there is one takeaway from anyone that is not blind that has watched this Giants offense this year, it's that Kadarius Tony needs the ball more. I know it's been tough to assume rational coaching with the clapper call plays, but maybe, just maybe, Andrew, we actually get Kadarius into the sort of high-volume role that we know his talents deserve. I mean, every time Kadarius Tony's on the field, he's getting the ball. It just has been, like, in really poor situations where he can only move, like, laterally side to side, and he can't actually move and get yards up the field, so... Look, someone in this Giants office is going to pop. Like, we're going to see, like, oh, here's the guy who got the bump without Jason Garrett. Like, here's the guy that Jason Garrett was holding back. <laughs> so whether it's Evan Ingram, Barkley, 
um, or Kadarius Tony. I think it's worth taking a shot on one of these guys. Not Kenny Galladay, probably, because we know that the Eagles are really good against perimeter receivers. So that's probably the guy. That'll probably be the guy that does end up going off, of course, because yeah. in the worst matchup possible, it'll be Galladay that gets unlocked without chasing Garrett. But I think it is worth taking a, sh a shot on one of these Giants players. I mean, the Eagles can put up points on the Giants. We like the, the Eagles passing game. So I think it is worth taking a stab, at least on one Giants player in a matchup where we, we kind of know what the Eagles defense does. Like it's the over the middle of the field. Tony's been operating out of the slot a little bit more when there is no Sterling Shepard. So I would, I would figure that he continues to eat there, seize opportunities and hopefully does a little bit more with his opportunities than he has done in past weeks. On to some tight ends. Mentioned before, Gronk, Fryermuth. I don't think any of these guys are going to have like the sort of overwhelming um, roster ship percentage where you need to fade Gronk or Fryermuth because we're using them in cash. I think they are both in play tournaments and cash games alike. I also mentioned before, I like the Tua stack with Mike Jasicki. Is he a wide receiver? Yeah, but he's called a tight end. So, you know, we'll play him at it, take advantage of getting a true top two receiver in their own offense at just 5.3K. And then, Dan Arnold coming off the goose egg, sitting there at just 4K. Look, Jasicki, Hawkinson, these guys goose egged a couple weeks ago. Did they come back and just never catch a ball again? No, it was one bad week. This offense has even fewer people to throw the ball to now with Jamal Agnew done for the year. Everyone, you know, I talked about this before. We all want LaVisca Chenault to be the guy that benefits, but what's probably the more likely scenario? Dan Arnold, their number one receiver for the past two months, continues to get fed far more targets than any of us would prefer, but that's just life in the big city sometimes. So I like Tosicki and I like Arnold as bounce back guys this week. Andrew, you also have Dallas Goddard written down, and I will just say, I don't know if there's been a more unlucky tight end over the last three, four weeks. He got concussed in the one game, had to leave early. Last week, I thought he scored a touchdown rolling over top of the guy they said he was down to one they got a QB sneak then he did score a touchdown that got nullified on a pretty questionable offensive pass interference there's another play a few weeks ago should have been a 50-yard score and he got overthrown Dallas Goddard is way too good to be this quiet for long and he's getting the opportunity Andrew we just need to click one of these weeks what better one than in one of the more cozy matchups we could ask for against the New York Giants yeah Goddard's 31 percent target rate per out run is number one around all receivers and tight ends over the last Ooh. four weeks. 27% target share is seventh among all players. And the Giants have allowed the most red zone targets to tight ends this year. So, like, it, it really is all encapsulating for Goddard to kind of have this boom game. He's super involved. There is no Zach Ertz. You know, he's running around basically on every single play. They're not using the ancillary, like, Rager and Quez Watkins. Like, those guys are doing absolutely nothing. It's really only been Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. So, you're kind of just pushing your chips in on Goddard at 4.8K that he is the one that catches the touchdowns instead of Devontae Smith. You know, Hertz has to throw the ball to some player. He's not going to throw for 50 yards. I know they're going to try to run the ball, but they don't have Jordan Howard. So, we'll see how effective they do it with Boston Scott and Miles Sanders. So, yeah, I think Goddard makes a ton of sense. And Gronk, like you had mentioned before, I think it makes a lot of sense, you know, pivoting off of the chalk, you know, of the Chris Godwin, Mike Evans going to Gronkowski, who, dude, I mean, he's the tight end three in fantasy points per game this year. Like, yeah. he's been, like, a stud, even though he's not even really running. Because, again, it's with Brady. Brady just targets Gronk whenever he is on the field. So I think it's really important in terms of just, like, a tournament play. This is something I try to do a little bit more of, is really take in consideration the roster set percentages. Like, we have them up on pff.com. And really look at, okay, you know, who are the more popular players and not necessarily just think, okay, how do I not play this player? I'm just not going to play the chalk. It's like, no, like, how do you benefit the most if this chalk fails? So looking at certain players and looking at matchups like that way, you know, like last week, for example, again, looking at this from hindsight, but I think it's a good lesson. Like AJ Dillon was super chalky. So it made a lot of sense to then play, okay, I'm just go Packers, like all the receivers and the Vikings bring back. And that obviously worked out. So kind of thinking it from that perspective, I think is a really good way to kind of figure out how to play some of these tournaments. It's almost like, you know, people that heard me say that the best stack last week was Rogers, Devontae, <laughs> and Jefferson should have been listening. I, I, please don't go start reviewing everything I say, people. I know there is plenty <laughs> of wrong there as well. But yeah, and Andrew, we've talked about, you know, one just easy contrarian tournament strategy. If you have the right tight ends is to go to tight end, one in to tight end position, one in the flex. And I just think an easy kind of rule of thumb for that, if you're wondering if you have enough upside doing that, look at the tight end. 
can is there like a realistic scenario where they will work as their passing games number one or number two option i think fryermuth gronk Pitts, Kittle, Jasicki, and Goddard all qualify as that. So, yeah, you know, we we have to pay more than usual. Like, it's great we can get these guys for 2.8K. But even then, like, all but two tight ends are 5.3K or cheaper. Don't be afraid to go load up on some of these guys that are essentially number one or number two receivers in their offense. Only notes I have on defense, again, I like to just list some defensive uh, special teams with the running back stacks that I think make sense for both the running back and the defense. Austin Eckler in the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, in this one, we know what Eckler can do. We know what Teddy Bridgewater can do. If those things uh, end up combining in the same week, could be a defensive score with another big Eckler game. Miles Sanders or Jalen Hurts in this Eagles defense. Yeah, there's a chance that losing Jason Garrett helps uh, provide everything in the New York Giants offense putting up some better numbers or we see Daniel Jones continue to fumble the ball like there's no tomorrow which is always a possibility also got Joe Mixon in the Bengals defense against the Steelers. We know how bad Big Ben could be from time to time. The Steelers' run defense really isn't quite as good as you would think they were based on their past reputation. Also got A.J. Dillon and the Packers uh, defense going up against a really struggling Rams offense in that Packers defense. I get it. Kirk Cousins had a really good game against them last week, but far more good than bad. And to see them at just 2700 uh, I do think they're probably like the best overall defense priced under 3 k this week. And then finally... Ty Johnson and the Jets going up against that Houston offense where Tyrod is one of those quarterbacks where even if he has a good game, which is far from likely, we could still see him hold the ball a little, a little too long, take some sacks and have some turnovers. So any final notes you have on defense, Andrew? Uh, no, I just want to mention the Jaguars look like they're coming in at under 4%. So there you, can go. Play you can play them in cash and turn. I know I've played the Jaguars in tournaments. Like I feel like the last couple weeks and they like haven't gotten quite there, but Look, they don't even need to get there because they're so cheap. So I think that's really it. I mean, when you get a low-owned defense that you can spin a narrative where it makes sense. I mean, like, what have the Falcons done for teams to be fearing of, of Matt Ryan? Like, they've done nothing. They don't have any weapons to, like, do any damage. Like, how many points are there? Like, realistically, how many points are the Falcons going to score for you to be afraid that they're going to, like, make the Jaguars score negative points? Like, I really don't think that's in the range of outcomes. So, worst case scenario, okay, the Jaguars get you three points. Okay, well, you didn't have to pay anything for it. So, it makes you... It makes the rest of your lineup better. So even if they don't do anything, I think it makes the rest of your roster better. So I think, yeah, I would like start with Jags, DST, and, and tournaments and cash, yeah. Dude, they've been really good since their bye. They faced the Seahawks. They allowed 229 total yards of offense. 301 against the Bills in just six points. 295 yards against the Colts, who look like a juggernaut recently. And even against the 49ers last week, like, yeah, they got beat down, but they only gave up 333 total yards. I think Lawrence and, like, just the overall, just how bad the offense has been, hasn't done that group any favors. But all of a sudden, like, we're facing a Falcons team that hasn't shown any ability to really take advantage of a bad team they're facing. So, yeah, Jaguars just hit the lock button and save that money, cash and tournaments alike. Now, Andrew, after I just, you know, really hurt myself patting my back about my stat call last week, I'm sure this one will go super well because that's how the fantasy gods typically reward you. With that said, my favorite stack this week mentioned it as my prime GPP quarterback play, but I like Tua bringing it with his top two receivers and Mike Tosicki, Jalen Waddle, both them under 6K, and bringing it back going all the way up with that money we saved to Christian McCaffrey. So Tua, Jasicki, Waddle bringing it back with one Christian McCaffrey. What's your go-to stack this week, Andrew? Yeah, so I'm 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 pushing my chips in on this Bengals Steelers game. You know, everyone is coming in. Chase is sub five percent. T Higgins is sub five percent. Joe Burrow is is not highly rostered. So I really like this game. Like this is the game I'm gonna be I'm going to be heavily game stacking. I think you can bring it back with a Najee Harris. Look again, we got to learn these lessons. Whenever there's a guy, a running back that has a full down workload that you know can put up 20, 25 points and break the slate like a Jonathan Taylor, like, you got to play that guy. Like, because Najee Harris is sub-5%, like, you just have to play him. Like, that's yeah. really what your main takeaway should be. And if it doesn't work out, okay. But if it, the thing is, like, you, you can't think about, oh, if this doesn't work out. It's like, well, if it does work out, like, if you hit on this game that no one else is playing at sub-5% across with all these really good players that we know can have ceiling-type games, then you're going to be running laps around the field. So... I like this Bengals side really well. You can bring it back with Najee Harris or Deontay Johnson. Bring it back with both of them. You know, get wild, get crazy. So <laughs> I, I like the, the Bengals stack. Get wild, get crazy. The Andrew Erickson story. <laughs> Now for the main event, we got the prop profit here, of course. So we need some props. The main is 13 and 8 on the season. 
Andrew, a couple one and one weeks. That's fine. We win one, we lose one, but let's get let's get another two and zero oh in here. What are you liking this week on the prop market? All right, so I, I gave my spoiler to it a little bit earlier, but I mean Elijah Moore is sitting at forty three and a half receiving yards. Um, it is criminally, just <laughs> criminally low. Like even throwing, this isn't even considering the fact that like Corey Davis wasn't even playing this game. Yeah. Like it's just so low. I mean, look, the last couple of weeks. So since we gave Moore has at least forty four receiving yards in each game he's played. He's actually been averaging, averaging eighty four receiving yards per game. So like you have this like massive forty yard buffer. I just think it's so low. Houston Texans rank seventh in receiving yard allowance per game over the last four weeks. And that's, they've only played three games. <laughs> so it's like, I just, this one is so, I, I feel very, very, unless Elijah Moore gets hurt, really, I don't see how um, he doesn't hit the over on 43 and a half receiving yards. So for Elijah Moore, and then this one, I think, honestly, this is my lock button, like, like, take out a loan, people. <laughs> like, he, like, this one I just absolutely love. So it's Alex Collins running back for the Seattle Seahawks under 47 and a half rushing yards. Guys, he has hit this once all year long he is maxed out at 10 carries over his last three games they're starting to get Rashad Penny more involved they're starting to get DJ Dallas more involved like I think that this one is is easy I, I really don't think anytime you can bet unders on players that are just not good like backup running backs especially when the line's like not even that low like I mean I saw Buffalo Bill running backs lines at like 20 yards you know for <laughs> for last night's game and like that that's bad running game like the Seahawks have done nothing. Alex Collins has shown me nothing to think that he is going to be able to surpass 50 rushing yards. So Alex Collins under 47 and a half. I, I love that. Especially because it's an under too. Like unders just hit more often than overs anyway. So like I just like I can't stop betting the Alex Collins under. just can't. Like they started Penny last week and he just got hurt after his first carry, unfortunately, which you can say, oh, that's for shot Penny. Make fun of the guy. Whatever you want to do. Either way, yeah, Alex Collins is like leash. I think is shorter than ever. This is one of those situations where if like if Sunday comes around, like, oh, by the way, Alex Collins is a healthy scratch today. Like, I wouldn't be that shot. <laughs> Clearly, they're trying to do something in this situation. Like, DJ Dallas could work as the lead back. Travis Homer, I would not be surprised. And even if Collins, to your point, Andrew, keeps his usual job and is the starter, who's to say He's even going to pass 47 and a half yards to begin with. So those two props, Alex Collins under 47 and a half rushing yards, Elijah Moore over 43 and a half receiving yards. Go get that money and go check out all of Andrew Erickson's content on PFF.com. Weekly waiver wire targets column. We got our fantasy football rankings, buy low and sell high targets based on high value opportunities, fantasy football starter and sit And of course, his DFS cheat sheet with which you can hear all of his keynotes on this edition of the podcast each and every week. I know we are a little bit later this week, you know, having a good time with Thanksgiving, eating all that turkey, but we are back to our usual schedule here moving forward. So, Andrew, anything else you want to get off your chest? Oh, man, I don't know. It's going to be a little while until I eat again because of all the food <laughs> I ate yesterday, but uh, I'm going to bounce back. I got to. I got to rally. The, the turkey cannot go in the trash. It needs to go into my stomach, so we got to rally. Great day to be great. We will rally, and we will be back before too long with our injury edition of this podcast. So for Andrew, I'm Ian. Thank you guys always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.